Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Happy Monday to you, Bengals fans. This is Anthony Gazenza joining you on the Monday News Jump, courtesy of CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have you with us. You can probably see by my name tag there, feeling the Monday today. Feeling the Monday today. Case of the Mondays for you office space fans out there. You know what I'm talking about. How's everybody doing? I know yesterday was a rough one, and... Uh, you may be having a hangover in multiple senses of the word on this Monday, but happy to have all of you with us. We're going to run through a lot of different new pieces of news today. <clears throat> a lot of headlines, both with the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and then, of course, the NFL as well. Uh, I'm going to just put this one up by Christian on Facebook. Surprised that heads didn't roll today. Um, yeah, so far, as we sit here at... 335 Eastern on Monday, there have not been any significant moves made in terms of coaching staff shakeups, no trades to speak of at this point. That doesn't mean that there is not news to go through today. So we will do that. I'm going to try and start off on a little bit of a positive note. Um, it's it's kind of a backhanded compliment that someone from ESPN gave the Cincinnati Bengals, but it's one that also provides quite a bit of hope. It is from Dan Orlovsky, former quarterback in the league, uh, played for the Lions and, and other teams in the NFL. Uh, he is now on the Get Up show, one of their flagship shows on ESPN. He, Rex Ryan, and Mike Greenberg, I believe, were talking this morning, talking both uh, about both Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and their respective performances that they've given in the first half of the season, both are basically the front runners for rook, offensive rookie of the year right now. Of course, Joe Burrow coming off the 400-yard passing day and four touchdowns against the Browns, three through the air, one on the ground. Um, not enough to get the win, but both guys only have one win to their name, I think. And, um, you know, you know, they're both in the running here based on the stats that they've put up. So I want to put this, in case you didn't see it, on Twitter I'm going to play this. There is volume to this, so I'm going to play this, and then we're going to go through the rest of the headlines here. But you can see this is from Dan Orlovsky's Twitter account. I beg of you, Bengals and Chargers, and it says, basically, there's a quote in here, quote, please spend money to support these quarterbacks because if you do, they will bring you both Super Bowls. They are that good. So here you go. We got Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. What do you want to say about them? Listen, there's a rule in the NFL that you don't count another man's money. But I'm pleading to you, Mike Brown, for the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Spanos family for the Chargers. Please spend money to support these quarterbacks. Because if you do, if you change your ways of the past when you did not want to spend, they will both bring you Super Bowls. They are that good. 
Joe Burrow plays like a 10-year veteran, and not like a good one, but a really, really good, good great one. Justin Herbert, anything that you can say about what you want in a quarterback, this kid has. Please, organizations that have notoriously not supported players, do so with these young quarterbacks. They will win you Super Bowl. So there you have it, coming from a former professional quarterback. I know it's a little bit of a slight in terms of what he said about the, the specific organizations, but not really inaccurate in some respects from what Dan Orlovsky said from the organizational perspective, but also a little bit interesting in terms of his belief that Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are Super Bowl caliber winning quarterbacks. I put out a tweet also, just kind of just fantasy thinking, you know, think about three, four years down the line, and all of a sudden you've got the the perennial AFC championship game is always Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow. Wouldn't that be something if that ends up being the case? You got a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type of rivalry potentially brewing there. That would be kind of neat. But we're far cry from that with both teams being seller dwellers. And really the Chargers have even the upper hand over the Bengals because of a head-to-head win in week one. So we'll uh I want to start off with that. There's a little bit of a positive spin there with that. I also wanted to uh, start off with another bit of positive news. Pretty much all of Bangledom knows this at, at this point, but especially if you were kind enough to join us for the Narragansett pregame show yesterday, this came across the wire, but the Bengals are hosting former Bills offensive lineman Quentin Spain. And not only did this make sense just based on how the offensive line played throughout most of this season, but also yesterday the injuries that they uh, accrued at, at some point yesterday, they had four reserve guys who started the season as reserve offensive linemen playing in the game against the Browns. And the lone starting guy from week one is a guy who's kind of been a little up and down this year in Mike Jordan. So, I mean, they had Alex Redman, a right guard, Bobby Hart went out, Hakeem Adeniji had to replace him at right tackle late in the game. Billy Price stepped in for Trey Hopkins at center. And then you had Fred Johnson stepping in for, Jonah Williams, who had a neck injury at left tackle early in the game. So not a good situation for the Bengals. But hey, you know what? Even with that, the Bengals and those reserve offensive linemen held their own. The Bengals put up 34 points. And really, you know, at the end of – they didn't run the ball well. But uh, the pass protection for who you had out there definitely held up. So you had to, you know, you have to give props there. But Quentin Spain makes a lot of sense right now. He would step in and probably – by most accounts, be a starting right guard. And then you can either move Alex Redmond to left guard, move Xavier Suofilo, who is who has played the majority of his pro snaps at left guard. Maybe you move him over there and start, and you've got Spain and Suofilo once he comes back, probably right after the bye. And then you've got things hopefully in, in better shape. But we don't have any updates, by the way, on the severity of Trey Hopkins or Jonah Williams. I'm, I'm assuming Trey Hopkins, because he had a concussion, will be in protocol this week. We don't know more about Jonah Williams' neck injury and the severity there. Uh, hopefully, I mean, that's a that anytime you hear neck injury, that's always scary. But hopefully there's nothing there that uh, is, is something that lingers long term because Jonah Williams was playing pretty well this season, was playing well of late, did get beat pretty badly on the play that he may have been injured on against Miles Garrett, who ended up getting a strip sack on Joe Burrow and a turnover was forced there. But overall, jo- Jonah Williams has had a, a, a nice – start to his career, which is in basically his rookie season right now. So, um, you know, hopefully he comes back. Same with Trey Hopkins. And then if they add in Quentin Spain, 
you've got some options there in the interior of the offensive line, which is what they need. Unfortunately, Spain isn't really known for his run blocking. Uh, he's more known for his pass pro, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the Bengals need help in both respects right now. So couldn't hurt to bring him in. And usually, especially with the COVID situation going on, if a team brings in a guy right now for a visit, that's um, usually a pretty strong indication that they're going to sign, but we'll see if that actually happens. But the Bengals are bringing in uh, Quentin Spain, so that may be a headline to watch later in the week going forward here. Let's move on to a little bit of some things that are not of the positive side. We started off with a couple pieces of positive news, and now here we go with some others. This may be something you saw couple days ago, the Bengals asking prices for some of their guys they're trying to trade are, quote, unreasonable per sources. And this is uh, from CBS, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. I'm hearing a lot of chatter, but uh, the asking prices seem unreasonable. Now, this may change because of the gentleman pictured there. We'll talk more about that in a second. But basically, the guys to watch here at this point might be AJ Green, John Ross, maybe even Billy Price, but that would depend on what happens with Trey Hopkins and how they feel about all that whole situation. Um, and by the way, that's that's an option too. The Bengals could potentially, um, you know, maneuver things around Trey Hopkins at a guard spot if they want, keep Billy Price in at center if they want to do that. And then you got Quentin Spain and that's an alignment. So you have Hopkins at guard, maybe a Price at a guard. I, I don't know, but um, the Spain move would provide them with flexibility if they make that move anyway trade trade rumors for the Bengals AJ Green Carlos Dunlap probable targets of guys being out there at, being asked about John Ross maybe Billy Price and then of course you know there may be a couple of other names that we don't think about that are floating out there <clears throat> maybe a linebacker I don't know I, I would be hard-pressed to see if that ends up taking place because the Bengals needed so much help and grabbed so many new guys this year. But uh, those are some of the, the guys that are probably being asked about in terms of the Cincinnati Bengals. But as of a couple of days ago, the asking prices were too high. That may change, however, because of what uh, happened after the game. And we can talk about it quite a bit, but... We, we will save it because I think it's gotten a lot of airtime right now. But Carlos Dunlap kind of aired some dirty laundry again um, and uh, came to uh, put out on his social media, basically, that his house is for sale. And he put it out on social media. And then, you know, unfortunately, this situation that is ugly keeps getting uglier because now you've got Tyler Boyd commenting on Carlos Dunlap's post about potentially selling his apartment, calling it sucka SH bad word. So here is the post that Carlos Dunlap put out. Uh, I believe it was on Twitter, 6,000 square foot city view with huge balcony, four bedroom, four and a half bath in one of the best school districts for sale. Do your market analysis and make me an offer. Serious inquiries only with proof of funds. Owner is willing to sell furnished or unfurnished with someone like myself who has a real estate license that is, a very interesting tweet and one <laughs> that is intriguing. But uh, on the other hand, as a Bengals fan, that is very kind of disheartening to see. Uh, you can see here, a lot of you saw that Carlos Dunlap was arguing with a coach at the end of the game um, once, the, once the Browns went up with the winning score. And then, of course, you had right here 
I won't say the word, but you can see it. Uh, Tyler Boyd's response to what Carlos Dunlap put out there on his Instagram, Twitter, all of that. Um, I, I will say this about Tyler Boyd. I respect the heck out of him seemingly sticking up for the team and saying, dude, basically, dude, what are you doing posting this? Um, but I will also say that Carlos Dunlap has six more years in Cincinnati than Tyler Boyd does. Tyler Boyd was drafted in 2016, Carlos Dunlap in 2010. So Carlos Dunlap has seen quite a bit more of the Bengals organization than Tyler Boyd. So take that for what you will. I misspoke a couple of minutes ago because something just came across the wire about injury updates to the offensive linemen I mentioned, Jonah Williams, Trey Hopkins, and Bobby Hart. So this is on cincyjungle.com, courtesy of my OBI co-host, John Sheeran. Um, he's, Jonah Williams is awaiting more info um, on his neck. Early indications are it's not overly serious. Um, and this is from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Um, might miss this week, but then with the bye, he could return after it. Further tests are coming. So day to day looks scary when it happened, but things are looking up is what Zach Taylor described. Um, Hopkins, again, as I predicted, concussion protocol. Um, Bobby Hart's going to be out this week. It looked like it was an ankle or a knee type of issue. He got rolled up on. So we may be not seeing Bobby Hart for a while. It could be Fred Johnson time. It could be Hakeem Adeniji time. Maybe even both. Maybe they're going to kind of see what they got out of both of them. But uh, this offensive line is officially going to be, again, under construction, a work in progress. And there's, unfortunately, some injuries striking to some pretty important players. And by the way, I know we and fans and myself have all been very, very hard on Bobby Hart. He had arguably his best day ever, at least by pro football focus yesterday. I think he had a, a score in the 80s. So he played pretty well. He's been slow and steady in terms of gaining some consistency this year. And you like what he's been showing the past couple of weeks, kind of shutting us up. Still, what you have to wonder, I mean, he's a guy in his mid-20s. He's still pretty young for the amount of years he's accrued in the NFL. What you have to wonder is, is he a guy that is finally hitting his stride and ascending as a football player as he enters his quote-unquote prime of his career? Or is he a guy that is just kind of having one of those flash in the pan seasons and um, you know, it's just working over the past couple of games. I don't know. Hopefully it's the former and not the latter. Hopefully it's a guy that ends up, um, you know, doing some more positive things for the Cincinnati Bengals going forward. So that's the injury update of those three guys as of just a little bit ago, courtesy of cincyjungle.com. Here is the snap counts in case you were wondering. This is very interesting and there's a couple of there are a couple of different facets to also touch upon with this. This is also cincyjungle.com and courtesy of my co-host John Sheeran. You can find this there. So obviously no mix and no William Jackson they were hurt. <clears throat> you can see here the Bengals outsnapped the Browns 75 to 52 so the Bengals had more offensive plays by far. And that's indicative of the amount of throws that Baker Mayfield threw, 
and Joe Burrow through you. I mean, you can just look at that and know. Um, but, you know, it, I mean, this is just incredible. For three quarters, the Browns completed every legitimate pass they attempted, and their starting running back averaged over four yards per carry. That is not good for the Bengals' defense, ladies and gentlemen. And Baker Mayfield set, yet again, the Cincinnati Bengals, allowing others to set records, records, records. Baker Mayfield set a franchise record for the Cleveland Browns for consecutive, I believe it was 21 or 22, consecutive pass completions. And the only incomplete pass he had was a late-in-the-game spike. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Uh, Baker Mayfield is an absolutely different quarterback when he plays the Cincinnati Bengals than other teams. I said it yesterday on the post-game show, 17 touchdowns in six games played, and uh, he's 5-1 he's and against him. Just a different quarterback. Mike Thomas got a, a few more snaps than Auden Tate, and Alex Erickson didn't even see an offensive snap. So Mike Thomas, and he had a couple big catches, did have a drop, but he's obviously in uh, the good graces of Zach Taylor, a guy he is familiar with from the Rams. And then, you know, you see the 30 snaps each from Jonah and Trey um, went out basically at the same time. And so now you had, you know, Fred Johnson and Billy Price come in and play in their stead. Hakeem Adeniji um, came in late. So we'll see what happens at the end of the uh, these next couple of games with Adeniji, if, if he's going to come in and end up playing and starting at right tackle. Because if you remember, they brought in Fred Johnson early this season, um, and he, he did not play very well. He did not play very well, uh, but that, albeit that was at guard, but just did not play well there. You can see here uh, the two guards yesterday, Redmond and Jordan, played 100% of the snaps. So did Joe Burrow. Those are the only three guys to play all of them. Drew Sample getting a huge amount of snaps, and he actually played pretty well yesterday. Five catches, over 50 yards, had a, had a pretty decent day. Did miss the one in the end zone, but it looked like there might have been some pass interference there. Potentially wasn't called. Bobby Hart, you can see, played quite a few until that last drive there. Had to had to leave, so that's not good. AJ Green getting more comfortable. He has close to 180 yards receiving over the past two weeks, so you got to like that. T Higgins getting more and more snaps and more and more involved. He is a star in the making, folks. He looks very very good. Tyler Boyd had another very strong game uh, against against the Browns. Gio Bernard, um, you know, surprisingly only 76 percent of the snaps with mixing out. You kind of felt like he'd maybe have a little bit more, also because of the fact that he can block, he can catch, um, but did not did not happen. They brought in uh, P. Ryan a couple times. I hope, for the sake of the production of the offense and for comfortability of Joe Burrow, I hope Gio Bernard gets some more snaps. I know the Bengals are paying a lot of money to, to Joe Mixon, but he is outstanding in pass protection. I feel like I've said that a bunch of times, but he is outstanding in pass protection. He is a guy that can catch the ball. He showed that. He made a difficult catch for the, the go-ahead touchdown late in the game. Just a great, great football player. You know, I, I, I really, really – uh, you, you sometimes need reminding what 25 brings to the football team. And, um, you know, you, you saw it pretty well on Sunday. And, you know, what's a shame is the week prior, the Bengals and Zach Taylor actually had a couple of snaps where both Geo and Mixon were in on the same formations. I hope that that continues once Mixon is back uh, as, as soon as this week. We'll see what happens there. But hopefully that continues so that the Bengals can mix up their offensive looks there. You see Fred Johnson and others with the snap counts here. Let's just move to defense before we get to a couple more facets to this. Von Bell played every single 
snap on defense, and he got burned a couple times in coverage on against tight ends, just not, you know. And, and really, the de- the defensive coaches are not putting him in the positions that you he need. He's an in the box safety kind of guy. He helps against the run. He can help you against really short passes. But as you get to those intermediate routes where he has to chase a talented tight end, an athletic tight end, maybe even a wide receiver, that is not his forte. And unfortunately, they keep putting him in that situation and it's not working. He really had a tough day against the Browns. So you see LaShawn Sims getting uh, all defensive snaps there. Darius Phillips, who had an up and down day to say the least, 50 snaps, almost all of the defensive snaps had a very, very incredible interception to start the game and help the Bengals out. And then of course you have the letting up of a couple big plays on the final drive there for the go-ahead score. I mean, you know, the other thing too, I, you know, I'm kind of razzing on Bell and Phillips a little bit, but, you know, if you look at those plays, the coverage is there. They just didn't track the ball well or the ball just kind of snuck up on them and went through their hands. I mean, Bell was right there a couple of occasions, just was like a millisecond late on getting in there. And, um, you know, same with Phillips on that last play to Peoples-Jones who got the game-winning touchdown. I mean, the ball went right through his hands. He was right there. Um, and these are just good plays by wide receivers and excellent throws by Baker Mayfield. And unfortunately, you know, when you're, when you're a bad team, you don't, you're not getting the breaks, you're not creating the breaks for yourself. And unfortunately that is kind of what happened there with Bell and Phillips. You can see the rest here. Christian, Christian Covington's become a nice little pickup for this team. I know he's pressed into more action than what a lot of people uh, thought and and I know the coaches had hoped they kind of wanted him to be a rotational player, not necessarily a starting player. But he's he's played pretty well, uh, big guy, and he's you know he's done pretty well um, for what has been asked of him. Xavier Williams, kind of the same thing, you know, another guy they were hoping was maybe going to be a rotational guy, and you know didn't uh, is getting more snaps. Marcus Hunt got his first action, twenty one snaps. You saw him go uh, play a run play pretty well. Um, early in the game uh, as he, you know, contained the edge nicely. Uh, I think it forced a loss or at least a no gain there. So he had uh, a nice play there. Unfortunately, guys, the pressure wasn't there. The sacks weren't there. And that is really the way that you have to beat Baker Mayfield. You got to get him rattled. And that's what forces the errant throws. And the Bengals did not do that on defense. Here's where we're going to go next. Geno Atkins, 12 snaps on defense. Same with Carlos Dunlap and his disgruntled self. 12 snaps, and you have to ask yourself, when you're not getting to the quarterback, why why aren't these guys, I know you're trying to maybe prove a point as a coach, or maybe you know some things aren't meshing well with what, what their skill set brings to your plan, but you know, it's not, uh, when you're not getting to the quarterback and those guys aren't getting snaps, I don't know what that tells the rest of your team. I will say this. This is courtesy of our old friend, Rebecca Toback. Um, Zach Taylor said today in a media roundtable that uh, on Geno Atkins' snap count, I know that's what he, quote, I know that's what he feels comfortable with right now. Geno and I have had some good conversations. He's a class act. So could be coach speak, but that is something that at least sounds like they're on the same page with, and obviously they're easing Gino back in from that shoulder issue, whatever that was. And, you know, if it is a pretty serious, we're now going into almost two months of Gino Atkins having a shoulder issue. 
you can pile on Zach Taylor all you want, and there's a lot of reason to, but his best offensive player was gone for all of last year in A.J. Green, and he hasn't had the use of the full use of Geno Atkins through almost two months of games so far this year, his best defensive player. You know, I know there are a lot of issues and a lot of points of contention and excuses are like, you know what, everybody has them. But when you're losing your two best players to start off your season, that's not necessarily a good thing and not an easy thing to overcome. I will quickly continue on the snap count type of situation because I thought this was pretty interesting. This is how Joe Burrow divided up the targets this last week. So you can look at this. This is on Cincy Jungle as well. Here are the targets right here, right in the the bottom of the page here. That said, here is a full list of the target share. A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd both had 13 targets. A lot of targets for A.J. Green. He's finally hauling in quite a few of those passes. Unfortunately, there's still some contested balls that he's not getting. There are still some touchdowns that are left out there, some big plays that are left out there that they're just not connecting on. But – There are a lot of nice quick hitters, nice chain moving plays. Those are coming far more frequently than they did at the beginning of the year. So you have to like that. So he and Boyd have had 13 targets each. I think Boyd had 11 catches on that. I'd have to double check. I don't have that in front of me, but um, you know, Boyd, Boyd had a very good game. Drew Sample, I, I mentioned he had the five catches on the six targets. T. Higgins, five targets. He had a pretty big game, including a touchdown reception. Gio Bernard, I think he had five catches on all five of those targets, including a touchdown reception. So you got to like that. Mike Thomas, two catches on those three targets. And then he did target P. Ryan once, I think, for a short gain on a, on a little swing out and Auden Tate there one time. So that is the pass distribution. You can see, I mean, that's eight different targets. That's eight different targets. You got to like that, mixing it up and not just honing in on one guy. And part of the thing that continues to impress about Joe Burrow is his ability to keep his eyes upfield when plays break down and his ability to find another receiver that isn't the primary one or look off a primary and fool the defense to get a big gain off of a secondary or tertiary receiver there. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with cincyjungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have you all with us. I'll be here for a couple more minutes going through some more headlines about the Cincinnati Bengals around the AFC North and around the NFL Tried to get to as much updated info as possible because some injury updates kind of came about and some quotes from Zach Taylor came about shortly before we took the air. I used to I used to start doing these a little earlier in the day, but I've kind of found that, you know, press conferences and all that kind of stuff, those kind of happen midday-ish, early afternoon-ish Eastern time. So I got to wait a little bit to make sure that we get the clearest picture so I can relay 
all of the best info to you all. You can get our programs, whether it's the Orange and Black Insider, whether it's Orange is the New Black with Ace and Zim, or Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk. You can get it on any number of uh, your favorite audio platforms. We're on all the major ones, Google, iTunes, all that. Go check us out. And then over by my left shoulder here, there's a little icon. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and click that to subscribe to our channel so you know when we go live. You can join us live. You can submit listener questions that we answer live, or you can be notified when new content is available so you can get it and check it out. Appreciate the support. Let's, I'm going to do a quick scan of some other, I guess we got to get to this one. This is another not so great, <laughs> not so great headline, but uh, Zach Taylor's start to his head coaching career has been one of the worst in NFL history. Yippee. And I think this is courtesy uh, uh, yeah, of our good friend, Joe Reedy, who used to work for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Good guy. I like Joe. We follow each other on Twitter. He's a good guy. Um, he just, he's a Browns guy. You know, he like he likes taking a little jab at the Bengals when he can. But if you see this, this is, this is interesting here. John McKay, uh, who went 0-23 back in 76 and 77 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jim Ringo, who went 3-20 with the Bills. Zach Taylor is at 319-1 with a 152 win percentage record. And as Joe Reedy notes, neither of those two preceding names made it to game number 24 as a head coach. And of course, as we know, the Cincinnati Bengals have the Tennessee Titans this week. So that's not going to be an easy feat. And then, of course, after the bye, they do have the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So not setting up for an easy next couple of games for Zach Taylor. There is some light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the schedule. There are a lot of soft, seemingly soft games for the Bengals, including some against the NFC East and others. So the Bengals could scratch together a couple of wins at the end there. Maybe they play well against Pittsburgh. Who knows it being a divisional game. I mean, after all, even with these, you know, pretty competitive or good game, you know, good teams, they've been one score games. They've been one score games for the most part, with the exception of Baltimore. And, uh, you know, I mean, maybe they figure out how to finally get over that hump there. I don't know. But not a great stat line for Zach Taylor in terms of wins, losses, and NFL history. I'm going to make sure we didn't uh, – I, I guess I'll share this quickly because I've gone through so many other Bengals headlines and I want to get to some other stuff. This is the Bengals news link story. So I'm just going to share this really quick. Um, if you go, there's on bangles.com some quotes. What was Zach Taylor's message? Uh, quote, stick together. You could tell it was an emotional locker room afterward for the right reasons. It's guys that moment after in the locker room, it's tough to find those words to say to them because you totally felt like you were going to win and you didn't. That has happened to us a couple of times. This is a team that believes it can put together a winning streak one game, two games, three games, four games, five games. We believe in it. We just haven't done it. We've proven it to the outside world, but we're going to stick together. I promise you that. It's a group of men I'm proud to coach. We're going to get through this. We're going to stick together, and there's much better days ahead. End quote from Zach Taylor. Good words, strong words. Got to start putting together those wins. And by the way, a winning streak is 
you know, the fact that he mentions a winning streak, that is quite bold, given the fact that he hasn't even put together a two-game winning streak at any point with the Cincinnati Bengals yet. So I like the quote. I like I like what he's saying, but uh, words are words. They got to start winning some games, and they got to start closing out some games. I mentioned this earlier. The Bengals, just quickly, the Bengals face these two teams the next couple of weeks, but they have – these two teams, the Titans and the Steelers, played each other yesterday in what very well could be an AFC championship type of preview. 27-24, Pittsburgh won. Pittsburgh is rolling, folks. They are rolling. They got Big Ben back, and they are playing very, very good football. And, uh, you know, they're they're doing a lot of things on offense. You see ben, Big Ben didn't throw three picks here. But he has largely played very, very well. Two touchdowns. You see James Connors rolling, as their running game always seems to do. And you see a big – they've got a nice three-headed monster at wide receiver here. Juju, of course, is a very productive guy. He's made Pro Bowls. Deontay Johnson has become a nice player for them. 80 yards and two scores. I sat him on my fantasy team. That was fun. And, of course, Claypool, who didn't really do anything this Sunday, but he has been one of the other guys that has been in the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation. Um, basically, he and Higgins have kind of been the best rookie wide receivers of, of this year, and I guess Justin Jefferson should be in that conversation as well. But um, those guys are putting up a lot of numbers and a lot of production, just not today or uh, yesterday, rather, for Claypool. But Pittsburgh 6-0. and And Tennessee's 5-1. and That could very well be an AFC playoff matchup this year and um, a very good game. Unfortunately, the Titans, unfortunately for us Bengals fans, the Titans uh, failed to kick Goskowski, man. He is, he is struggling. He failed to kick a last second field goal there to potentially tie it up, send the thing to overtime. And, uh, but, but did not on their home turf, Pittsburgh comes away victorious six and zero. So these are the next two teams. The Bengals play with a bye sandwiched in between those games. Pretty daunting. Uh, if the Bengals are able to beat one, <laughs> maybe even both of these teams. That is a huge turnaround to their season. I don't know that any of us really expect that to happen at this point, but we'll see. This is not a uh, this is not going to be a good story to share, and I'm not going to share the video because I don't like it. It's pretty dirty, but it's the hit on Andy Dalton. Um, this is on NFL.com. There's there are other full articles on it, but in case you missed it, um, Andy Dalton is now in concussion protocol because of a hit by um, a linebacker on the Washington football team. A very, very, just a cheap, cheap shot, real cheap. Dalton was scrambling, trying to slide down and the guy led in with, um, with his kind of shoulder and helmet and hit Andy square on the head. Andy's helmet flew off, had to get carted off the field. So he is understandably in concussion protocol. Dallas um, has a couple of guys they're going to try and play. Obviously, you know, Dalton came in because of Dak Prescott's ankle injury that ended his season. So you hated to see that, but um, you know, good thoughts and vibes to Andy because that was a really vicious hit and one that, um, you know, he was down. He almost looked like he was, knocked out for a little bit that was not a good not a good sign for Andy Dalton but he got back up and was kind of helped off and hopefully he'll return to the lineup and, and be healthy going forward that was a that was a pretty pretty 
ugly hit. And yes, Spencer Miller, um, the player who hit Andy was a former Steeler. I know, I know. I I almost tweeted that out today, but I just said, why am I going to? I don't want to throw gas on that fire. Um, but you are correct. And unfortunately, his name, I'm going through so much info right now. His name is escaping me at the moment. But <clears throat> yes, you are correct. You are correct that that linebacker is a former, former Bostic. Thank you. Thank you. Why not? Chad 25. Thank you, John Bostic. Um, that is the, the guy who hit Andy. Very, very just. And Andy, when he was coming down, he was sliding, and there was a guy already kind of bringing him down to the ground. I, again, I could show you the video. I don't want to do that. It's just, it's pretty ugly. So, um, best wishes to Andy. I know he's not a Bengal anymore. I know a lot of people had some whatever feelings about him as the Bengals starting quarterback, but you obviously hope that he is okay. Now, this is big for the Browns. Unfortunately for the Bengals, they don't get to reap – well, I don't want anybody to get hurt, obviously, especially not seriously. Got to put that out there. But the Bengals will they, – they, I guess they benefited it from it yesterday because um, basically it was one of the first plays of the, the game that Odell Beckham hurt his knee, and it was on that um, – it was on that interception that Darius Phillips nabbed in, but he had a knee injury, didn't return, and he torn, tore his ACL. Didn't really even look like that serious of a, you know, it's not like he planted and you saw it really. He just kind of crumbled a little bit and um, tore his ACL. So bad news for Odell Beckham, bad news for the Browns, and of course you never want um, anyone to get hurt, but unfortunately the Bengals won't have another game to, you know, potentially reap the benefits of an Odell Beckham-less Browns team, but they did uh, they did play them yesterday, basically a full game without Odell Beckham, and still could not come up with a win. And you can see Beckham here: twenty three catches, three hundred nineteen yards, and three touchdowns. Beckham had an injury, uh, some injuries last year, and a kind of a disappointing season last year. But you know, you know that he is a very talented, one of the bo- the most talented wide receivers in the league when he is healthy. So he is done for 2020 Odell Beckham Jr. because of the knee injury he suffered against the Bengals yesterday. And finally, just kind of a little bit of extra news here again on NFL.com. Cam Newton was benched yesterday. So that's pretty interesting. Um, And the Patriots are now two and four. He fell short of 100 passing yards and he threw three picks against the 49ers and you got to credit the 49ers man they they have had a just a mountain a mountain of injuries and they are coming through and still winning football games um gotta gotta tip the cap to them and uh you know newton said basically it's simple quote quote it's simple i have to play better um i'm coachable uh you know for any type of competitor, do you feel embarrassed? Yeah. So he was benched just based on uh, some problems there. It's been kind of an up and down year. And you're seeing the Patriots go two and four and the Bucks are winning some games. So for the Brady Belichick questions, as of right now, you may be getting a little bit of an answer as to the source of the success or, you know, obviously both are incredible, incredible at their jobs. But um, you're seeing what the what the Patriots are without Tom Brady, and it's not that great as of this point. Even though Cam Newton was is a very exciting quarterback and is talented, but uh, he's struggling a little bit, struggling a little bit. 
I'm going a little long, guys, so I'm going to get on out of here. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with Cincy Jungle and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for joining us on this Monday afternoon, going through all the news and notes of the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and, of course, the rest of the NFL. We'll see you soon. We've got our Wednesday show, John Sheeran and I. We've got that show, and we may have a couple special guests, by the way. We're lining up some special guests. We are getting Mike Daniels back on the program, uh, another interview opportunity with him, so that'll be interesting. You won't want to miss that. Um, And then we may have a special guest to help us preview the Titans game. We're working on locking that one in. And then, of course, we've got our listener questions live on Friday afternoon, so join us for that. We've got the pregame show, courtesy of Narragansett Beer, on Sunday an hour before kickoff, leading right up to kickoff. And then we've got the post-game show from there. You've got Orange is the New Black and New Stripe City doing shows in between all of that, as well as Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk as well. So download all of those. We appreciate the support. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. If we don't see you, have a good Halloween. That's already coming up on Saturday. Have a good and fun, safe Halloween if we don't see you. But uh, hopefully we see you. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.